Hey guys, if you're loving this podcast, please subscribe and leave me a review. And don't forget to download my free guide on how to generate constant wedding photography leads. So in this episode, I chat with my friend Amani Roberts. I met him because he's a wedding DJ. So the pandemic has really shaped what his business is now. And our hot topic is how to survive and shift after the pandemic. I love this conversation. Enjoy. Welcome to Get a Heck Yes with Carissa Wu. I'm your host, Carissa, and I've been a Los Angeles wedding photographer for over a decade. I've traveled the world, built my team, and seen it all. I now coach wedding photographers hit 10K a month and build a thriving business. In this podcast, we are going to deep dive into how top wedding creatives get that heck yes from their dream clients. We are not holding back on the struggles of the business and how to push through the noise. Some healthy hustle, mindset shifts, up-leveling your money story, time hacks because I'm a mom of two, a little bit of woo-woo, and most importantly, self-love and confidence are just a few of the many things we will talk about. I want to give you a genuine thank you for following along my journey. I hope to inspire you every Wednesday so that you say heck yes to listening to this podcast. See you guys soon. Hey guys, this is Carissa Wu and thank you for listening to my podcast. I'm here with my friend, Amani Roberts. He is a DJ, wedding DJ, producer, professor, and author based in Los Angeles. And you can find him live streaming three days a week on that new app called Twitch. I still have to get on. He is currently getting his master's in music business from Berkeley College of Music, Boston. You're crazy, a lifetime learner. And writing his second book, highlighting why the dis- disappearance of Black R&B groups from the Billboard charts. What the hell happened to them? So <laughs> what's up, Amani? How are you doing? What's up, Carissa? I'm so happy to be here. I'm doing well. Good to see you and chat with you. I'm just, you know, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Yeah, it's come full circle because I was, I did my first podcast on your podcast and I'll link you up um, and the money experience and now you're on my podcast like it's been what two years yes it's probably uh probably like three or four years actually it's been a while because you were early on like you were one of my first episodes maybe 12 i think episode 12 so it's been three or four years but here we are full circle so congrats to you yeah do you recommend like the podcast like what has your experience been like do you think it was life-changing do you wish you didn't do it do you like what are your takeaways Oh, I absolutely am glad that I did it. It's a very intimate and effective way of networking. It also creates a body of work of of what you've done in terms of creativity, production, and it just gives you good content. I had to sort of pause the podcast when I started grad school because it was a little too much. But now that I'm coming to the end of grad school, I'll start it back up again. Um, So I definitely have no regrets. And I think it's just a good way of marketing yourself, your brand and networking. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for saying that. That gives me hope to keep going. Yes. The average so much. podcast lasts uh, seven episodes. So let's get to seven, then 14, then 21, then you're off and running. Yes. 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 I think I'm on like number nine. So you'll probably be like there number 15. Um, okay. So Amani, you are so crazy ambitious and you're always doing a lot of things like you're teaching and you're going to grad school and you have a podcast and you have two books out. Um, just tell us a little bit, a little bio about you, like what you are up to and who you serve right now, like, and what you like to do or what's your favorite part of your business right now? 
Okay, so I, my name is Amani. I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. I've been living in Los Angeles now for 14 and a half years. I used to previously work for Marriott International in hotels, yes. did a bunch of jobs called general manager, director of sales and marketing. Then yes. I went full time into the DJ life. So by trade, now I'm a DJ. That's the core of my business is DJing. And about three and a half years ago, I had the opportunity to also begin teaching at Cal State University Fullerton, which I love. Yes. And so then I added that. Then I wrote my first book, which was released April 2020. Um, DJs Mean Business. It just talks about DJ life and comparing the stages of a DJ set from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. to growing a business. And as you mentioned, I'm in the middle of writing the second book, which is where did all the black R&B groups, they disappeared from the Billboard charts since about 2004. Um, and so right now you ask, like, what's kind of my focus now? My focus yeah, now is okay. kind of getting back out to doing specific events in real life. But also, like, I love to moderate conversations, interview people. So I want to grow that. While streaming on Twitch the last year and a half, I've been able to kind of hone my interview skills, doing talk shows. I do a lot of game shows there. So lots of interactive content. I really love it. It makes me happy. It's fun. You can reach people all over the world who participate. So you I want to just. On it. <laughs> I did. Yes, I did. It was a crazy story. So I want to add that to my business and do that more for like conferences, in person, hybrid. And I want to continue to speak at different conferences, whether it be on hospitality, music, streaming. Like those are my areas of expertise. Oh, I love it. Okay. So just one follow up question for that, because there's so many follow up questions I could ask. <laughs> but tell us about the second book, because I'm curious and I'm sure my husband would be curious if he listens to this podcast. <laughs> yes. If we remember when we were growing up, because we're very close in age, we had groups that were all, all on the charts all the time. Boys to Men, SWV, TLC, the Isley Brothers, Cameo, going back Jackson 5. The Billboard charts, specifically the Hot 100 charts in the past have been dominated by black R&B groups. Yeah. Then when you look at like 2004, really once Beyonce left Destiny's Child and went solo, and then once Jagged Edge and 112, kind of they went solo there were no more black R&B groups on the charts. And it's been that way now for 17 years. However, you will see other genres of music. I'm really looking at like uh, BTS, kind of groups like that, that are, yeah. you know, mimicking what these black R&B groups did in the 80s and 90s to success now. So the formula still works in terms of groups, but it's like, why are there no longer any black R&B groups? What's going on behind the scenes? So I take a look at that. Oh, we did a lot of research. We outlined uh -huh. the top groups from each decade. We uh, interviewed people. I kind of came up with like five different, I don't want to say reasons, but five different elements that led to the disappearance of these groups. And we talk about that in the book. And then I also layer over a kind of half fiction, half true story, which kind of ties it all together. Okay. So tell me just really basic bottom line, like why? Yes. What happened? The, the, yeah, a great question. So number one, the emergence of hip hop. Hip hop came and hit the mainstream and hip hop is a more singular uh, kind of act. You don't need to get together with four different uh, people in a group, do like makeup for all four, choreography for all four. Hip hop is just you're standing there. You kind of um, have one person doing all the lyrics, the singing, production, real simple. That's one. The second would be when you look at the the economic history of our country, the US and the world, like we suffered a really big recession in mid to late 2000s. 
that really caused record companies to reevaluate how they were going to allocate their funds and it led them to allocate funds more so on like singular acts. At the same time, YouTube really was introduced and became big. And YouTube is really like a singular platform where people are broadcasting and that's it. The emergency of social media. Also, you have EDM music. EDM music also became much bigger and they sing they sing for the most part more palatable topics they're not really singing about love and like you know some of the more topics that r&b singers crooners sing about so edm music also became very big another element which i discovered more a little bit later in my research is that you had these black publications jet magazine ebony essence and then to a lesser degree vibe magazine they were all really really important in promoting the black r&b groups they all went bankrupt and out of circulation they came back as digital versions but it wasn't the same so you had a market of 10 million subscribers total per month that disappeared and that was one of the main promotional elements for black r&b groups that's probably the fourth reason and then just the evolution of technology we went from record albums to cds to then you evolve into MP3s and then it, iTunes, which then change it to more. Less people are buying albums, more people are buying singles. Black Army groups really got prominence off albums. Then okay. you had mom and pop stores that were disappearing, record stores that disappeared. Black Army groups really got their start in the communities, singing their record signings, meet and greets. Just this whole imperfect storm, as I call it, really caused the decline and we, we haven't come back yet. Yeah, I mean, you sound really passionate about this topic. <laughs> I love it. I love I it. Heard you like say so many words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I've done research, like my thesis, like it's fresh in my mind. I okay, keep finding okay. out new things. Oh, but people, no one's really writing about it either. So it's it's really I'm interesting so, to me. I'm I love so it. Excited for this book. Okay, so this podcast is not about this. It's more about you. <laughs> um, so I just want to ask this question, my best question I could ask you, but. Okay, tell us a little bit about like your passion for music, like where it stemmed from, but then also like what was the turning point from going to like this big man at Marriott to like going to like DJ school and then um, getting like, you know, doing the whole DJ world thing because that's a big, big, big jump. Yeah, yeah. My passion for music comes when I was younger, just like my dad would always play music. Um, We'd go on long trips to soccer games, so music was on all the time. He would take me to the record store. I would collect records. Um, you know, a funny fact about me is that, uh, you know, I'm a fan of love. I love these two, um, this show, The Quiet Storm, when I was growing up in WHUR. There was another show in DC that was Glenn Hollis on 97.1, Love Songs to Dedication. That's my jam. I love it. It's just, I've been that way since, you know, I understood what love was. So <laughs> that's where my passion for love, for, for music really starts. I was in a jazz band growing up. I collected CDs. I would spend all my money at my first job buying CDs from The Wiz. So that's where it comes from. It's continued to grow no matter what city I live in. The turning point for me in terms of switching from corporate life to the creative life was two things. Um, In 2004, like my dad passed away suddenly and that shook me up because that taught me really quickly that tomorrow's not guaranteed. I had had dreams and a goal of being a DJ since I saw Bismarck in like 1995 or 96. May he rest in peace. Um, but I was too scared to pursue it. But what happened with my dad kind of shook me up and I was like, you know, you you keep pushing things off. You might not have a chance to get to it. So that's when I decided to go for it. But it took me 
to move to California and to then have the courage to go to start to try to learn DJing on my own and then go to Scratch Academy. So that was the turning point. And then to go full time was when I had a boss at Marriott and she wasn't very supportive and it was miserable. And I just kept thinking, is this it? Like, is this what what I really want to do? And so that kind of pushed me to really jump both feet in. It has not been easy, but it has been much better. Isn't it crazy that you work like a a DJ then now turn like author and now speaker? Like, it's just like this whole like explosion of your career just open when you really follow your passion and music. It does. It, and if you can be resilient and surround yourselves with, you know, like-minded people like yourself, you know, we were in a couple of groups together that helps and you just have to stick with it. It is not an easy road. And, you know, I'm still like, I'm going to grad school now because I want to kind of improve myself as a person and a professional and then open myself up for more opportunities. But like, you know, we're both lifelong learners. So as long as we're learning and continue to try to hone our craft, it's going to work out. It just takes patience, which is very difficult for me. Yeah. So you just want everything to happen so fast, huh? <laughs> yes. Even <laughs> everything, including the love life, all of the above, because, you know, we talk about it and it just doesn't happen that way. But it's hard to to see that when you're in the middle of it. Hey, I mean, if you want to put a ring on it, go for it. <laughs> okay, you sound like her now. You sound like her now. So, of course, we're working our way towards that. <laughs> Okay, so two questions before we get into our hot topic. But the first question is, I call it my woo factor. I should have named my podcast that, but I named it something else. But um, what is your woo factor? Like, what makes Amani Roberts' experience so different? Like, how do you stand out from the rest of the DJs and everyone else? I think it's the combination of my experience, many of which we just talked about because I used to work in corporate America. So I understand how it kind of works behind the scenes. I have a high IQ in terms of customer support and customer Mm -hmm. service. And then just my educational background, being a professor. So I have a more of a collaborative nature. I understand that people might not understand what it takes for a DJ to come up with a playlist or take requests in the middle of a song. And then just experience, just being around hospital industry for 25, 30 years and seeing what I've seen, like all that combined together, plus my personality, just makes me unique and it makes the experience very rewarding for my clients. And talk about a little bit about your vinyls. My vinyls. So I have lots of records upstairs, you know, and every once in a while I'll have like, a, I'll do like an all vinyl set, but um, I just enjoy vinyl music, collecting it, finding different ones. I'm kind of starting to get back into going to record stores that are open and, and looking for music that I want. I'm on a personal mission to try to find all of Mariah Carey's albums on vinyl. And it's just important. It's important to learn on vinyl. I learned how to DJ on vinyl. So that means I'm using my ears and not my eyes, which is most important. So I have love for vinyl. I'll never, I'll never kind of, you know, dismiss it. It's kind of like a photographer that shoots film. Like, you know, some people will really like it and they'll, they'll pay like, you know, a lot more for it. So that's definitely exactly. like something very niche about you. Okay. Another question before our, our hot topic is what is your biggest accomplishment in business? Ooh. That's a good one. I'll list you two or three because I can't pick just one. <laughs> sure. I would say DJing at the World Cup in Brazil in 20, I think that was 2014, I believe, right? 2014. I will say um, becoming a professor at Cal State University Fullerton. Yeah. For, to be a full-time DJ and then a full-time professor, that's 
big. That's big for the DJ community because that lets people know that we're not just button pushers. We're intelligent human beings, intelligent professionals who know what we're doing. Totally. And then the third one I would say would be writing and releasing my book, the first book. Yeah. And you inspire me to write my book. So shout yes. out to you and shout out to book launchers. I couldn't yes. have done it without them. And it was an investment, but we both said we couldn't do it without them. And mm-hmm. look at you now, you're on your second book. So it, yes. it really paid off. I agree 100%. Congratulations to you. It's not easy. What's the yeah. stat? Like it's like 85 or 90% of people have books in them. So it's like 5% of those people will actually write the book. And then 5% of that 5% will release the book. So you're, you and I are in rare companies. So yes, we're in rare company. So congrats to you also. Thank you. I got my first transcript back. So I'm so excited. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Okay. So our hot topic um, is about your career and your books, but it's mainly about how to survive and shift during the pandemic. So I'm excited about this topic because I love when you talk about Twitch because I don't really know much about it. I know you're going to probably talk about it. Um, yeah. It kind of opens so many doors for you. So I guess you could tell like a little backstory, like why you chose this topic and then kind of go into your tip number one. I chose this topic because in business, we're always going to have to shift and I hate to use this word, but it's true, pivot and just do things differently as as we kind of go along the way. Like what my business now looks very different than how it looked when we started. When the pandemic hit, all of my gigs went away. I had no, you know, no revenue coming in, nothing. I was fortunate enough to still be able to teach virtually. Thank goodness for that. So keep my benefits. But I had to figure out a way to first stay sane. But okay. second, try to, you know, do something to grow yeah. or create business. So that's when the virtual aspect came in. So at first I would just live stream on Twitch my podcast interviews. Then I started to discover DJ community of people who are on their streaming. So I would stream on Twitch, Facebook, Instagram. Facebook and Instagram would cut you off because of the licensing issues, but Twitch would let you perform live, but you couldn't have VODs. They'd mute the video on demands afterwards. Oh. But then I started doing Twitch more and streaming, and I would stream one day, then two days a week, then three days a week. And then I went full force right about a year ago. And I did this 54 days in a row on Twitch, whether it be interviews or music. So I did that and I could just see, first of all, you get revenue. Because once you get to be affiliate style, you get revenue. But then I saw I grew, I was growing a live streaming skill set. I had, had to figure out how to get the camera right lighting, then connect to OBS, open broadcasting system, which is similar to what TV broadcasters use. So I was becoming a live producer. Then you add on top of this, I did interview shows on there. We call it Twitch University, where I was interviewing different people about how to live stream. But then I carried it over and we did a live streaming, a series for Cal State University Fullerton, our EHM program. So I was starting to show other people how to do it. It's like, okay, this is working. Then you continue and you continue to grow on Twitch and you keep getting checks. So you're getting some revenue in. But then people started to hit me up and ask about doing virtual events for them because, you know, no one was meeting in person. So I was able to directly apply the skills I was learning and do virtual events, which went well. And then you continue to grow from there. Now it has evolved so much to now I do like game shows. Like I have legit Family Feud, The Match Game, Hollywood Squares, Mass Singer, that we can produce online, but now I'm shifting it so that now I can pitch this to clients to do in person. And once you do that and you have a portfolio, you're like, whoa, all along, 
I'm improving my moderating skills. I'm improving my talk show skills because that's the goal. Like I want to be like a moderator, have like a legit talk show, interview people. So it's all like helping me improve and learn at the same time. Now I'm doing it in the public eye. So when you make mistakes, everyone sees it. But I'm growing and learning quickly. And now I'm to a point where I got a lot of this stuff kind of locked down and I understand what to do. Dude, that's so crazy. So you would have never thought that too, like these virtual game shows, like you're actually turning them into live events? Yes, yes. So in fact, um, just yesterday, I pitched Family Feud, which we just premiered on last Wednesday, I believe it was, Wednesday or Monday. We just premiered it Monday to a client. I've worked on the Mass Singer proposed to a client. We did um, the Match Game. So I'm just continuing to build this kind of Rolodex of game shows and we did a dating game that was really successful for a couple months, like a season on Twitch. So it's all these different things that, depending on what a client is looking, they say, okay, we have an hour break. We want to keep people engaged. If they're in person or virtually, what can we do? I have a list of things we can try and we can go for it. So I've built up the catalog. Now it's just a method of using or you know, time period to use this to show clients, okay, this is what you can do that could be different. Let's try it. Okay, so just um, a little question. So do people hire you like corporate people or is it like just people that have parties and they want to do something different? Both. But for the most part, um, I've been pitching this to corporate clients. I had one pr- client that was particularly interested in like the mass singer. We call it Who Is That yeah. Voice? Uh-huh. Um, but people, if they have like parties and want to do something cool, like a match game, like game shows and trivia is fun. People love, love trivia. And so you bring up a good point where I also need to focus on pitching this to planners and just people for want to activate their parties because it's fun yeah. and, you know, f- we can make it happen. So absolutely. Cool. That's so neat. I had no idea. Okay. So that would be tip number one, just going virtual and you never know what that's going to land you. So what's your tip number two? Tip number two, I'm trying to remember what was my point number two, virtual and then um, just learning like resilience, I would say, okay. because to be able to survive when all your gigs go away and keep the positive growth mindset is a task mm-hmm. and a feat within itself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was learned during the pandemic because now we're, we're almost there. We're kind of coming out of it, but I've got so much more to offer and I've, I've learned more skills. I mean, going to grad school, I had decided to go. Even before the pandemic hit, I was going to go part time um, while teaching and DJing. I don't know how I would have managed that in current time. <laughs> but now to be able to, you know, in like three months, say I have a master's in music business, and that's going to open up more full time teaching at the college level opportunities for me. But also that same theme about wanting to go and speak and wanting to go and moderate conferences and be an advocate for the music industry and help close the knowledge gap for new and independent musicians when they're working with record labels. There's so much information that musicians don't know about their money. I want Uh to share the knowledge with them so they can make better decisions. So that's kind of a tip number two is just being resilient, learning more, staying in the mode of being a lifelong learner and just growing from there. I love it. So mindset is everything. Um, We both know that. Um, I wanted to ask the follow-up question because you asked me this on when I was interviewed on your podcast, (laughs) but going from like, you know, having like, you know, canceled weddings and postponements, what was like the biggest struggle of that 2020 pandemic, first year pandemic year? And then like, how did you 
get over that? I, I know kind of like you said a lot already, but yeah, what mm -hmm. was like the biggest struggle that you had to go through? Shout out to our sponsors. Photobooth Supply Co. helps entrepreneurs start and scale their businesses by creating meaningful experiences with a photo booth. Living in a digital age, anywhere people gather is an opportunity for an experience. And what better way to capture those memories than with a photo booth? There has never been an easier way for photographers to scale their businesses, increase their marketing efforts, and maintain cash flow during off-season than with a photo booth like the Sasso booth. Increase revenue $600 to $800 per event by adding a photo booth to your services so you can make more and work less. If you don't provide a photo booth, someone else will. So stop leaving money on the table and get yourself a Sasso booth today. Biggest struggle is really personally, like I live alone. It's just me and my dog, Nyla. We're just here. And so that was an extremely isolating time yeah. period from like March to September, October, uh -huh. December. Like I kind of stayed in because you were scared and want to catch anything. Yeah. So I didn't really go out and do much. So it was really hard to be as isolated as I was for an extended period of time. That was tough. And that was the hardest. So to get over that, I had some good friends reach out. and like, you know, you need to come out a little bit. It's okay. We would go on walks outside. We would meet a person, but outside and that really at a park. And that really helped my mindset and just keep me kind of going because it was not very good. And you're losing your business. You're isolated from your friends, your family. I live in Los Angeles. Most of my family is East Coast. So they're far away. Yeah. My brother, all extended family. So that was just an extreme and a hard time of isolation. And so yeah. just to just have people around that want to say, let's go for a walk or let's meet at a park. That kind of saved me. That's so interesting because you, that biggest struggle like of your life or had turned you into like doing all this, your tip number one, like streaming and going virtual and like connecting with people on their internet. So that's, that kind of saved you. Mm -hmm. Streaming for sure. Streaming saved me because we were saving a lot of people because people were isolated like, oh, well, music heals everyone, yeah. no matter what your background is. So we were saving them and they were sort of saving us also at the same time. Yes, Mariah Carey saves all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mimi. <laughs> yes. Okay, so number one tip was virtual streaming. And then tip number two was resilience. What's your tip number three? Mm, tip number three, like, I think just a general tip is to not be afraid to ask for help. Like, you can't do it all yourself. So it's okay to ask for help. That's not really a sign of weakness. You know, it's it's okay to be vulnerable and ask for help. I think that was just, you know, whether it be as simple as how do I do this when I'm streaming or how can I cook this recipe to help me eat more healthier or how can I acquire this skill to make my business grow? What do I need to do? Like just ask for help, especially from people you trust who are in the arena with you fighting the same fight. And I think that will help you it will help you not get burned out by trying to do things yourself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that's just an important tip to continue to remind myself and everyone else. Yeah. I mean, I'm a coach now for wedding photographers, but I think when I first started, coaching wasn't really a big thing. Um, there wasn't even YouTube yet. So I think now people are kind of coming onto the idea like, hey, I could infuse this 12 years of knowledge like into your mind, like in the matter of three months. So I think, yeah, asking for help getting mentors is so key to excelling in your business and your life. Agree. 100% I agree.
Yeah, and I love how you're kind of speaking off the cuff because <laughs> it's kind of funny, but <laughs> you have no notes and you don't, you obviously didn't like write it down. But what's your tip number four? Ooh, tip number four. Um, it kind of goes with uh, tip number three. I have a favorite quote. So the quote is like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So really it's just like build a team of people that are around you that can help you go further. Like if you want to go fast and achieve something really quickly, you can do it, but it's not sustainable. So I really recommend trying to find a group of people around you, both personally and professionally that are going to be there for you and help you grow. There could be some people within that group that are going to tell you what you don't want to hear, but you Uh need to hear, which hurts, but it's needed. Um, so yeah, just kind of focus on that. And like, for, for example, for us, we work with book launchers. Well, that has helped me get much further along than if I was going to try to self-publish something by myself, I wouldn't have completed it. That's a perfect example there. Another example would be like, I have a, a remix and a music teacher or music coach. You can say we do remixes together. He teaches me piano. I would not have been able to release three or four EPs without his help. I would not have the musical knowledge or be able to now start to recognize patterns in music without his help. Now that's a long journey, music theory, but we're about to release, I think three more EPs of music. And our goal is to get some of our music placed in like film and TV, but I would never have been here with this opportunity if I didn't, you know, have him as part of my personal team. And so I think that just proves that, you know, if you want to go far, you need to build a good team around you because you can go much further together than you can go doing a solo thing yes the rising tide lifts all ships and me you and kate Kate from xo xo kate we would meet up like every now and then and just talk about business and our goals and what's on our plate right now and a podcast wasn't really in my consciousness but um we have to reach out to kate and see if she is we need (laughs) need to meet up with kate now what's what's she up to yeah so she's busy but we've all like grown so much but Mm -hmm. i feel like she would always say like you know, develop your tribe, love them hard. And I think me and you were like the same way. So that's so cool. So I'm just going to recap real fast about um, how to, you know, stay afloat after this crazy pandemic. So number one is streaming. Number two is learning resilience, all about positive growth mindset. And then tip number three, not being afraid to ask for help. And then tip number four, don't do it alone. A rising tide lifts all ships. Um, anything else you want to add before we go into rapid fire questions? Uh, no, no. I mean, those are four strong tips I try to live by. Um, I also recommend, which I've fallen off, but like morning pages. So the artist way by Julia Cameron is a great book. She talks about doing morning pages in there and taking specific artist dates. I think morning pages, which is when you wake up in the morning, just write down everything that's on your mind, try to fill up two to three pages. I've fallen off of that completely the last three months, but I need to get back. (laughs) But that's also an important tip I will share. I also recommend doing the book. It's 12 chapters, finding a friend, do a chapter a week with a friend that is on the kind of the same mission as you. I think that is hella powerful. And I think most creatives should do that. A lot of creatives in like art, artists, actors, producers, movies, they swear by it because Julia Cameron okay. used to be married to Martin Scorsese. So she knows a little something about creativity. So this is the artist way you're talking about. Yes. Yes. Okay. I think I have the book around here somewhere. It's one of the most gifted books I give out. Oh, okay. Oh, that's so cool. Um, 
Cool. Okay. So I'm going to buy that. And I know you are all about <laughs> journaling and I'll keep you accountable for getting back on the journaling bandwagon. Thank um, you. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to do some rapid fire fun questions. So first one is what's your favorite R&B album and why? Hmm. Favorite R. Ooh, man. I can only pick one. I like <laughs> Vision of Love, Mariah Carey. I like What's the 411, Mary J. Blige. I like Cooley High yeah. Harmony, Boys to Men. I'll give you those three. I cannot pick one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I like SWV's first album, the Hot uh, Lime Green album. I, I, I think it was their self titled yeah, album, yeah. SWV. Those are four that come to mind right away. Yeah. And then I pick Thriller. Okay. MJ. I can't pick just one. That's so hard. Oh, okay. I love it. Okay. What's your biggest sales tip? How to get a heck yes from your dream clients? The fortune is in the follow-up. We can oh. all submit good proposals and and interesting things, but following up is, is where okay. you can win out over many people. Okay. Okay. Um, what's the biggest thing you learn from your students? humility the fact that i don't know everything like you know i'm still learning and just their thirst to learn inspires me to learn more oh i love it so where is the music industry for students and management like going like what would be a career that someone has like a popular career in because i don't know anything about music like, is there like a title, like music production manager or like, I don't, I I don't would, really know. I would say the, for the music industry, like A&R and A&R is like artists and repertoire, okay. but it's really now it's like, you want to discover the next hot acts. You want to do that. Okay. And there are different ways you can sure. do it. You can be on TikTok and find some TikTok. I'm not sure of how, um long lasting they'll be because a lot of flash in the pan you can okay. also go to a lot of live shows but what's even more fascinating is when you combine a and r with data analytics like for example uh -huh. if you're here in la and you're looking for a country act well maybe you want to see who is getting the most shazams in montana or who's getting the uh -huh. most shazams like down in alabama which can give uh -huh. you clues as to hot acts that are getting ready to explode so how do you use the traditional A&R, which is seeing an act, watching how they vibe with the crowd, seeing how they move and engage with data analytics mm. and allowing that to steer your decisions. That's what's the hot job I think is going to become more prominent in the next five years in the music industry. Yeah, I had no idea that existed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could talk for days about this. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, since I'm a coach, um, the magic wand question in three months, 90 days. Where would you see your business? So just you could talk about your goals a little bit. In 90 days. So that'll put us to, let's say, almost like January 1st. Um, I would have finished grad school. I will want to have acquired a couple speaking gigs at conferences or moderating gigs at conferences or, you know, jobs. And that's really important to me. In addition, I want to have secured, you know, at least three to five of these game show events for a corporate or social clients to okay. host at their events. That's kind of the short term goal. And we'll have released three 
EPs of music by then. Oh, Those are kind of the goals. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's great. Okay. Last <laughs> question before we tell people about your giveaway and where to find you. Oh, what keeps you so motivated? Why, why the heck are you so motivated? Like what is your why? I think what keeps me motivated is a combination of wanting to still learn. And really, since we were talking about the music business, this is something that really kind of fires me up for lack of a better term, is that I see so many stories of young, new or independent musicians that come into the industry, make amazing art, but don't know how to properly monetize it or own what they create. They sign it over to maybe a record label or they just don't make wise decisions when it comes to owning their art. And then they regret it a month, a year, 10 years later when they can't place their music in a commercial or an ad. Mm. So what really inspires me is I want to do my part to close the knowledge gap between the new, young or independent musicians and what the more experienced people in the industry know, I want them to know about it so they can just make better educated decisions about their art moving forward. Like some of them could benefit and need to work with a regular label. That's fine. Others yeah. might be able to make about it and do their own thing in the independent route. But I want to educate people so that they can make the proper decisions for them. And that is missing right now. And so many uh, people are getting taken advantage of that. It yeah. just hurts my heart. Oh, you're filling the gap. I love that. You're yes. creating a whole different like career, like genre, which is so cool with all your passions and education. Um, ask me a question because you're an interviewer. And ah, I want to talk about <laughs> Okay, okay. What have been maybe the two most valuable lessons you've learned about yourself and your business since March of 2020? <gasps> oh my god, good question. <laughs> You asked me. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm scared. Okay. Just... Don't be scared. I'll help you. Okay. So the biggest lessons I've learned, I think the biggest lesson I learned is finding that exit plan from wedding photography and knowing that I do want to go full-time in coaching. So I had to go do a lot of different things. You know, I thought I could just announce to the world that I'm a coach and do some IGTV lives and people are going to bite Nope. <laughs> I had to go through so many coaching programs and get mentors and buy courses and go through with so many mindset hoops and work with different people and fail and like get ghosted after, you know, eight sales calls. Like I had to go through so much. And I just really, truly know that I want to do full-time coaching because I keep going after I fail. And that's a good indicator yeah. that is your passion. Like, Hey, if you feel like you have a bad day or like um, someone doesn't book, you just get up back on your feet the next day and try new new techniques, learn different things, um, grow, pivot, your favorite word, and <laughs> just keep going. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, I've done everything. I've done like, you know, wedding photography is my bread and butter, but I've done like bourgeois and I did like studio shoots and I did um, the mini session routes and I did um, – online course but now just coaching i have you know a couple of students and i'm coaching them and it's so fun and it just invigorates me and i'm so happy to be their coach and you know even if they're a better photographer than me like i've been doing this for 12 years so i see a lot of holes and gaps in their business that they can't see for themselves as if someone like a coach would see in me 
So it's just nice to fill in those gaps for them and just be like their mentor and just understand that like I'm deserving of being in that position. I love it. My second question. would be and uh, this is one of my favorite questions i ask almost anyone i interview with because i think there's so much to learn and wisdom from retro retrospect is if you could go back now and talk to carissa at age 21 based on what you know today which is like fall 2021 what advice would you give young young carissa you asked me this on your podcast but i think it's actually the same answer but it's just um, don't worry so much. Like it'll happen. You can surrender to your work ethic. Um, and I think now I would tell myself like just be more discerning. Like don't take on every gig. Mm. Um, it's okay to say no because it'll land you the higher end weddings. So yes. that was hard for me because it was like my paycheck. So you know, I just kind of summed it up like, oh, I have a lot of energy, you know, I could do it all. But I think it will, it really hurts you in the end game, like not knowing who you really want to serve and just kind of trying to take everything um, because you just get too tired and burnt out. So just kind of being selective. And now like I have the luxury of being more selective of what weddings I take just because I've been doing this for so long. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Congrats to you. Props. Thanks. I love it. You, you I mean, too. we could ask questions all day, but I'll pause right there. <laughs> okay, I'll pause. Just, yeah, we're up to our 39 <laughs> minutes and I go for 45 minutes. So just tell people what um, how to find you and your, your free giveaway. Yes. So, so people can find me just at Amani Experience on all socials. So that's A, M like Mary, A like N like Nancy, I, the word experience, all one word. That's what I am on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Amani Roberts on LinkedIn and then twitch.tv backslash Amani experience. That's how you can find me, reach out. Um, the giveaway is just a couple free signed copies of my book, DJs mean business. I love my book. So please read it and share it with the person who might be interested in DJing or music. That's my giveaway. I can't wait to share it, continue to share it with you. Also update is that we have the audible version that I just recorded. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get that out in the next month or two. I'm cool. excited about that. A bonus for the Audible is that I had my close friend and colleague, Melissa Majors, interview me after each chapter. So you get some more information and you get some more um, oh, more from me. I love that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you for being on my podcast. It was super fun. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm very proud of you, Chris. I just want you to continue to ascend and just keep doing what you're doing because we need you. Yes. I'll probably post this to maybe my 20th episode. So I'll be like, yay, congrats to me. (laughs) I love it. I will happily be the 20th episode. Yay. Thank you. I'll stop recording and we can chat a little bit more. Thanks for joining me this week on Get a Heck Yes with Carissa Wu. Make sure to follow, subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot and post to IG. Tag me. Also, don't forget to download my free guide on how to become a lead generating machine. See you next time, wedding pros.